Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker. Worker of yours. Good afternoon and welcome back to Ask the Experts on Talk 1370. I'm your host, Matt Alvarez. This is a show about your health, your life, your home, and more with our rotating cast of experts. You'll find details on all of our shows on talk1370.com slash experts. Catch up on past shows there. And of course, if you have a question for any of our experts, send us an email. Ask the experts at talk1370.com. Again, that's ask the experts at talk1370.com. Today in the studio, we have Gregory Cagle and Adam Pugh from the Cagle Carpenter Hazelwood Law Firm. Gregory, Adam, welcome to the program. Thank you. We're happy to be here. Thanks for having us. So I understand that the law firm focuses on the representation of homeowners association. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about the firm and your background? Cagle Carpenter Hazelwood is part of a regional law firm that focuses on the representation of homeowners associations. We have a little over 40 lawyers firm-wide that operate within 12 offices spread across six states. Um, Here in Texas, we have four offices, uh, two here in Austin, one in Dallas, and one in San Antonio, and we have about five attorneys here in Texas. And we represent several hundred homeowners associations. And um, my name is Gregory Cagle, and I've been practicing law for about 19 years and representing homeowners associations for uh, most of that time. Thanks. I... uh... I've been practicing law for about 12 years now here in Austin. My name is Adam Pugh, and I just joined the firm of Kegel Carpenter Hazelwood here in Austin, and I'm excited to uh, answer your questions. Well, I mean, you guys have a uh, certainly an extensive year of, uh, of experience, especially with the, the two of you together. I'm pretty sure that that does well with a lot of the people that walk in through your doors to ask for advice and for help. It does. Um, it, homeowner association law is really a niche practice area. It's governed by a lot of statutory laws and common law, and then uh, each association is governed by their individual governing documents. And it's just an area of the law that is sort of unique and specialized in many ways. And so lawyers who, who really do this area of law are, are really worth their weight in gold, and this is what we really do. Um, many of our lawyers are, have been recognized by admission into a national organization called the College of Community Association Lawyers. Um, in fact, seven of our attorneys have been admitted into that organization that only has 175 nationwide, and that's more than any other law firm in the United States. Well, before we go any further, I want to go ahead and let our listeners know of a way to contact you guys, and that is they can visit your website at cchlaw.com, or you can email them at info at cchlaw.com. Well, Gregory, Adam, we get a lot of calls from listeners all the time about HOAs. I know that you guys know a lot about HOAs. Can you tell us about why there are so many HOAs and what their purpose is? Um, It's actually kind of an interesting um, question that we get a lot. Homeowners associations are just organizations made up of property owners to govern and administer their real estate development, whether it's a subdivision or a condominium. 
Um, the real reason why we have homeowners associations is because for developers, it's sort of a, a practical necessity. Uh, there are a lot of laws that uh, govern how developments are created, um, and oftentimes those laws uh, require homeowners associations, um, for example, condominiums. And in other cases, it just becomes uh, necessary for, for practical reasons. Uh, for instance, when a developer develops a uh, detached single-family residential neighborhood type of community, mm -hmm. they are responsible for ensuring that the drainage of stormwater, once they change the topography of the land, when they put in streets and utilities, remains the same post-development as it was pre-development. And that often requires them to construct all sorts of drainage facilities, whether it's uh, drainage channels, retention, or detention ponds. Somebody has to own those forever mm -hmm. and maintain those forever for the benefit of the community. Um, cities and counties don't want to take on that financial obligation. And as a result, the developer needs to look to somebody else to, to assume that responsibility. So they create homeowners associations. They convey those areas to the homeowners associations as common areas. Uh, they impose duties upon the homeowners association to pay for those, uh, the maintenance of those, uh, those areas. And they empower the homeowners associations to levy assessments to pay for that maintenance. And uh, that's one of the main reasons that has led to the proliferation of HOAs over the number of years. Um, one of the more interesting things that, that sort of gets reported in the industry, although there's never really a, a source for this information, so we, we sort of take it with a grain of salt, but the estimated number of HOAs reportedly by, in the United States, you know, as it gets reported from time to time in the industry, is that uh, only 500 HOAs existed in 1965. And by 2015, it's estimated to be approaching nearly 350,000. Jeez. Um, is that across the, the it, entire United States? Across the entire United States. Texas alone is estimated to have um, around 20,000. Uh, between California, Florida, and Texas, uh, California and Florida being the two states with the most number of HOAs, but between those three states alone, uh, they're estimated to comprise nearly one-third of all of the HOAs in the United States. You were very detailed about what exactly the HOA fees go into, and me, along with probably a lot of other listeners, just assume that it's just like a fee to clean the, the swimming pool in their, like, maybe apartment or condominium. Well, certainly the fees are used for, uh, for, for that, uh, as well as other things. But uh, homeowners associations are nearly always nonprofit corporations. They have budgets. Um, they aren't there to make a profit. They are there to take care of responsibilities that have been, uh, been assigned to them for the benefit of all the owners. Um, so uh, they, they serve a real purpose for the communities. Um, and when they're well run, uh, they, they really benefit the community and bring value to the community. And not only are all of the different HOAs separate and have different budgets and provide different services and amenities to their owners, but all of that information by law is available to the owners. So if you have these specific questions about your homeowners association, but you don't know where to go, that's something that an HOA lawyer uh, like Kegel, Carpenter, Hazelwood can help you find out um, if you're not getting the information from those that have it. Well, I mean, I'm already learning so much just by sitting here with, with the two of you. But I, I do understand that Kegel, Carpenter, Hazelwood teaches educational classes on HOA law. Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about that? Uh, yeah, uh, we're actually really excited about it. It's, it's a, a new uh, thing that we've started here in Texas. Um, firm wide, we, we've been 
pretty dedicated to providing educational opportunities for board members and property managers and homeowners for a long time. But recently we created two curriculums designed specifically or one specifically for board members and one specifically for property managers. And we are going to be teaching the classes associated with that curriculum every month in San Antonio, Austin, and Dallas. The one for board members is a four-hour curriculum. Uh, It covers core legal concepts associated with governing their communities. The classes are uh, one hour each, and we teach them over a period of four months, and then it just sort of starts back over. And it's, it's free. Uh, we provide refreshments. It's free to board members. Um, and the association does not have to be a client of the firm to attend. Um, it's really about giving back to the community and providing opportunities for board members who want to be effective leaders of their community, the opportunity to, to learn about the various legal concepts that govern their community. And we're excited to get started teaching these classes. And I'm sure you can tell that, that Greg's excited, but he's also a little bit modest. And one of the things he didn't mention was not only is he going to be uh, teaching these classes, and he's, he's more than qualified to do that. He actually wrote the book on Texas HOA law. Um, there's never been another book published uh, about this specific topic, and Greg's the author. So if anybody's qualified to teach the class, it's uh, my law partner, Greg Cagle. Um, so how do our listeners get more information about taking one of these classes and, and sitting in with the master? Um, <laughs> Well, all the information about the classes that we're offering to the community are available. All the information is available at our website, um, www.cchlaw.com. And and Adam's correct. I I am the author of a book called Texas Homeowners Association Law. This is going to sound like a lot, but it's actually about 900 pages. Wow. Um, But it's a legal reference book written on a topic-by-topic basis in plain English for non-lawyers. And it covers all of the legal concepts that board members would be interested in learning about, that homeowners who live in a community with a homeowners association would be interested in learning about. Um, And it's currently in its third edition, and every edition is sold out. So I hope it's been well-received. The people who have have commented about it uh, seem to think it's a pretty good book. But if anybody had any desire to get more information about the book, they can get that at TexasHOALaw.com. Now, before we go into the break, I do want to ask one more question. There are different distinct types of HOAs, and I've heard of property owners, associations, homeowners associations, condominium associations, townhome associations, community associations, and even ranch owners associations. So are these all the same thing or are they something different? They are all various names that are used to describe one of two types of homeowners associations. So as lawyers, we tend to use the term property owners association globally to describe both types of associations. we tend to sometimes use the term homeowners association if we're going to refer to a residential property owners association as opposed to a commercial property owners association. Um, But those are the kind of terms that lawyers use to describe them to sort of distinguish between uh, globally these owner organizations versus residential commercial. Um, But the really the distinction comes down to the type of real estate um, development that is being governed by the owners association and in texas we only have two types we have condominiums and we have subdivisions and if the homeowners association is governed uh, or administers or governs a subdivision development then people often refer to those as homeowners associations Um, i tend to refer to them as subdivision associations so that's pretty clear what we're referring to Um, and then 
uh, owners associations which govern condominiums are typically referred to as condominium associations. There are uh, entirely different statutory laws that regulate those two types of associations. So um, it's important when you're thinking about, well, what kind, you know, what, what are the laws that apply to my organization? You really have to know, are you a condominium association or what I tend to refer to as a subdivision association, because that will dictate which laws govern your organization and your community. You're listening to Ask the Experts. In the studio with me is Gregory Cagle and Adam Pugh. And listeners with their questions on HOAs can always visit cchlaw.com or send them an email at info at cchlaw.com. We are about to take a break and we'll be right back answering more questions about HOAs. Talk 1370. Welcome back to Ask the Experts. I'm your guest host, Matt Alvarez, and joining me in the studio is Gregory Cagle and Adam Pugh from the Cagle Carpenter Hazelwood Law Firm. Gregory, you know, one of the questions that maybe you can clarify for our listeners is townhouses. What exactly are they? Well, uh, that's a great question because I, I get that question all the time. There's really only two forms of real estate ownership in Texas. Now, that may not be true in other states. Every state has different laws, but, but at least here in Texas, we only recognize two sort of forms of real estate ownership, and it can be summarized as you either own a unit within a condominium development or you own a lot within a subdivision development. Um, but oftentimes when, when uh, clients call the firm and we ask them, well, what kind of uh, homeowners association is it? Is it a condominium association or a subdivision association? They'll tell us, well, it's a townhome association. And um, we have to tell them that that's not, <laughs> that's not a real thing under Texas law. It's, I always tell people it's a marketing term. Um, mm-hmm. A developer will build something. Uh, they'll construct it. It may be attached construction, detached construction. But whatever it is, they'll slap the, the name such and such townhomes, and then people will um, associate with whatever that architecture uh, is with what a townhome is. And so um, when they think about townhomes, they think of it as from an architectural perspective. But when we think of what a real estate development is, we think of it from who owns the dirt and and what do you actually own. Um, So townhomes can actually be subdivisions or it can be uh, condominiums, um, but we don't have townhomes here. It's just a marketing term. Well, thanks for clearing that up for us. Adam, can you Maybe tell our listeners a little bit about some of the hot issues HOAs are currently being confronted with. Yeah, for sure. One of the hottest topics right now that uh, we keep getting asked about are short-term rentals. And in some instances, that's because a condo association wants to allow short-term rentals. And in other instances, maybe it's a subdivision association that wants to prevent short-term rentals. With the prevalence of uh, the downtown residential developments that have sprung up in the last 10 or so years in Austin and the festival, live music, entertainment culture, uh, and, and websites like Airbnb and the prevalence of uh, these short-term possibilities. People look to their properties and want to capitalize on the distance from the entertainment districts to downtown, and they want to go ahead and rent those out while they're, uh, while they're not using the property. And uh, what you run into are folks in the community that like that idea and bought the property as a uh, investment that want to uh, utilize 
that type of a relationship. And then you've got the other folks that just want to live there and not be bothered by all the noise during South by Southwest. And in each of those instances, you really have to look to your governing documents to determine whether or not this is something you can prevent or if it's something that you can allow or if it's, uh, if it's somewhere where you've got the option to, to do either one. The great thing uh, about those topics, like those hot issues, is it's something that the firm uh, tries to to educate board members on because it's something that they, when they're having to uh, balance the interests of the homeowners who want to be able to do short-term rentals versus those who are opposed to it, um, h- how you, you govern that and, and uh, resolve those issues is really difficult at times. And so we offer classes for board members um, that, that get into those very topics so that they can make informed and, and educated decisions when uh, dealing with issues like short-term rentals, which is something that, as Adam was saying, is more and more prevalent um, with the proliferation of the Airbnbs. Again, you're listening to Ask the Experts. I'm your guest host, Matt Alvarez. Greg, I know that you're the author of Texas Homeowner Association Laws. Um, what led you to write the book? Well, um, I'd been representing homeowners associations for a number of years uh, back in the uh, mid to later part of the 2005, let's say 2005 to 2008. And I would get questions from board members all the time that that seemed to be the same questions over and over and over. And I got to the point where I thought, you know, there ought to be a resource for board members who get elected to serve on their as a leader of their community that they can just get quick answers to without having to call a law firm. Calling law firms can get expensive at times. And I was always concerned that because of that expense, the board members would not call the law firm and would not do the right thing. And so in order to, to help educate board members and give them a tool that they could use that didn't didn't cost what it would be to hire a law firm or to, to call a lawyer and, and, and be billed at an hourly rate, I decided to write the book. Um, and it started off what I thought would be a, a small project. And the first edition of the book, I think, turned out to be about 600 pages. Um, and it was certainly an experience to write it. Um, with all of the law changes over the last uh, eight years, that book has now grown up into 900 pages. You added 300 pages. Yeah, <laughs> 300 pages. Um, th- thank you, Texas Legislature. And uh, it, it continues to be a valuable resource. Every edition of the book sells out. Um, I get uh, emails and calls all the time. Um, and I'll tell you one of the, the best compliments I ever got about the book. And at the time, and it, it, you know, when, when writing the book, I, I didn't necessarily think about it this way. Um, but I wanted this book to be for non-lawyers, and I wanted it to be written in plain English. And when I was working with the publisher, I insisted that we have an or we have an editor that had no legal background whatsoever. And my instruction to the editor was, if you have to read a sentence more than twice to understand it, then I have to rewrite it. And the goal was to write it in a way that you didn't have to be a lawyer or understand legalese to understand the law. And the best compliment I got, and it came from a property manager that I had worked with for many years who had been using the book. And the thing she said to me was, when I read the book, I can hear your voice. And I thought, wow, wow. I mean, I I spent all this time writing and rewriting and rewriting sentences and paragraphs uh, to the point where I just thought it was was silly. But here was somebody telling me that I was actually able to capture my own voice um, and that she could hear my voice. Um, when reading it, and that today is the best compliment I've ever gotten about the book. Well, and now if she listens to the radio show, she, she can actually <laughs> hear your voice. To put yeah. a voice to the voice on the on the pages. Uh, Adam, have you have you had the honor of reading the book? I have. One thing that's that's really 
neat is I just joined the firm uh, August 1st. And prior to that, Greg and I were actually competitors. But we've always gotten along really well. And, and, and one of the ways that uh, I became acquainted with him and his work was by, of course, reading the book. And there's a funny story to that as well. Uh, I, I had, actually didn't know that he'd written the book when it first came out. And a property manager brought it to my attention and said, oh, well, have you, have you read Greg's book yet? And uh, I had to immediately then go out and get a copy and, and read the whole thing because in order to be a, a, a Texas HOA lawyer, you better have a copy of that book and, mm -hmm. and you sure better be able to, uh, to speak to the contents of it. So it's becoming more of a manual and a handbook for everyone out there. It, it is because it was written for non-lawyers. So um, it's equally valuable to the property managers uh, as the board members and even the homeowners. And um, I, I, you know, I get feedback from, from various people who have bought the book. Um, I get a lot of emails about it. Um, and, and people really feel like it's something that's been useful to them, which is really why I wrote it, was to, to be a useful resource. Um, and, and Adam's correct. You know, we used to be kind of business competitors, but Adam is, is a really great lawyer who I've always respected. And we're thrilled, actually, to have Adam as part of the firm now. And uh, it's, it's really a great partnership between the two of us uh, in, in representing associations here in Central Texas. Well, Gregory, before we go any further, can we let our listeners know how to get a copy of the book? Absolutely. Um, if somebody wants to get more information about the book or actually buy the book, uh, they can go to www.texashoalaw.com. Um, in addition to being able to order the book from that website, they can, uh, they can get access to legislative update reports that I author and publish about each legislative session. They can sign up uh, to get an email newsletter on uh, changes in the law as they occur either uh, by rulings of the courts or by the Texas legislature. Um, so it's a great uh, resource for homeowners and board members alike who want more information about the laws governing Texas HOAs. And, of course, any listeners with questions about the show or any questions that they would like answered on the show um, can visit cchlaw.com or you can email them at info at cchlaw.com. Now, Adam and Gregory, maybe we can both answer these uh, general questions for our listeners and just give them some more insightful information. Can you tell us more about your law firm? Cagle Carpenter and Hazelwood is a regional law firm uh, based in the southwestern part of the United States. We have offices in six states, uh, including California, Colorado, Utah, New Mexico, Arizona, and Texas. Uh, we have 12 offices within those six states, four of which are here in Texas. We have two offices in Austin, one in North Austin and one in South Austin, plus Dallas and San Antonio. We represent associations across the state of Texas, um, and we provide all of the services normally associated with representing homeowners associations, from general counsel services to assessment collection services, restrictive covenant enforcement services. We're on panel with many of the insurance companies, so when associations get sued, we uh, often get times get retained by the insurance companies to defend the homeowners associations. We uh, also represent uh, condominium associations that are suffering from construction defects and we are all trial attorneys and uh, a few of us are uh, certified mediators that can uh, handle alternative disputes as a mediator as well as representing homeowners associations in, uh, in mediations and arbitrations. We also uh, are really involved in giving back to the community through providing educational opportunities for homeowners and board members and uh, uh, property managers. And uh, information about all of these various services can be found at our website, www.cchlaw.com. And I think it's important to mention that 
all of these training classes and educational opportunities are free of charge to those that attend. Right, Greg? Yeah, that's right. And um, we also, we don't limit them to associations that we represent or property managers that we work with. Um, anybody who uh, is interested in learning more information is welcome to attend. And whether you're a client of the firm or not a client of the firm uh, is, is not really that important. We just want to, we want to help uh provide educational opportunities so that these communities can be successful and the people who volunteer to lead them can can be effective. Now, maybe we can get just one more question answered. Why is it important to hire a firm like Cagle Carpenter Hazelwood? Well, this area of the law is becoming more and more of a, a niche practice area as the legislature continues to enact um, more and more uh, regulations to govern these organizations. It's to the point where if you really don't know this area of the law, as somebody who, who really doesn't practice in this area may not know all the nuances involved in the various regulatory schemes that govern these organizations. There's a lot of overlap and understanding which laws apply and in which circumstances and which one trumps which one when they both apply is is something that um, that's important to know so that you can be advising associations of which laws actually apply and which laws govern their conduct. Um, not to say that lawyers who don't practice the area can't learn it, but um, there's a value to having lawyers who know this area so you're not paying to uh, educate lawyers who do a lot of research at their hourly rate. So um, from a cost savings perspective, from an efficiency perspective, from uh, just having really good knowledgeable lawyers who can tell you what the law is, uh, but also, you know, who can think outside of the box and help you solve issues um, in a meaningful way that brings a community together rather than divides it is really important. And uh, having lawyers who are really experienced in this area is important. The last thing you want to hear your lawyer say is, huh, that's a problem I've never heard of before. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Let me do some research at my normal hourly rate to find out the answer for you. Um, we're fortunate that we've all been doing this for a long time. Adam's been doing it for well over 10 years, and, and I'm approaching 20 years. There aren't too many issues that Adam and I haven't confronted before. And, uh, and so not only do we know what law governs this, but we really have experience in resolving the nearly every type of issue that my homeowners association might be confronted with. And we can talk to them about what are good strategies for resolving these ways in uh, effective and, and successful ways that don't involve filing lawsuits, um, that really resolve disputes from a community perspective. Again, listeners interested in having their legal questions addressed by Gregory Cagle or Adam Pugh can do so by emailing info at cchlaw.com. Again, that's info at cchlaw.com. You can visit them on the web anytime at cchlaw.com. And of course, you can give them a call at 877-336-0228. Again, that's 877-336-0228. We're going to step aside and take a quick break. We'll be right back with more Ask the Experts right here on Talk 1370. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of colors starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. 